This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Professor Jonathan Sarna to the program. How are you doing, sir? All right. Nice to be with you. Well, good to have you with us. Uh, Professor Jonathan Sarna is a professor of American Jewish history at Brandeis University in Waltham, Massachusetts. He's regarded as one of the most prominent historians of American Judaism. His latest book is called America, or one of his uh, recent books is called American Judaism, a History, won a number of awards. And now his latest book with Benjamin Chappelle is called Lincoln and the Jews, a History. It's published by St. Martin's Press, came out in 2015. Of course, we're talking about Abraham Lincoln. And you say that Abraham Lincoln's life coincides with an increase in the number of Jews living in America. Yes. Uh, When Abraham Lincoln was born, uh, there probably weren't more than 3,000 Jews in the whole country. Most of them lived in half a dozen East Coast port cities. By the time Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, there were more than 150 thousand Jews uh, in the United States, uh, many of them immigrants from Central Europe, the German and Polish lands, and now they were spread all across the country, uh, really from the East Coast all the way to California, uh, and Lincoln had many opportunities to meet them. Mm. And uh, the increase was noticeable, you know, to other people in America, but but still relatively small numbers in in connection with the uh, population. Yeah, I mean, America's population itself is greatly uh, expanding, and Jews are not really more than half a percent or something of the of the entire American population. Uh, nevertheless, they were becoming more visible, uh, especially given their role in the clothing trade and uh, related industries that led them to interact uh, with other Americans. We had a guest on some weeks back, Neil Yetwin. He's a public school history teacher in Schenectady, New York. And he wrote a book about a man named Mordecai Myers, who was Jewish. He was from Rhode Island originally, came to New York State down by by New York City, uh, was a hero of the War of 1812. He was badly wounded in a battle up in Canada. He later became the first New York State Assemblyman uh, who was Jewish. And then uh, at some point in his life, or late in his life, he moved to Schenectady, New York, and became a mayor. So uh, he, he, he seemed to, to fit in well. Um, what was the reception that uh, Jews, though, were, were getting in the, in the country? I, I think the Myers story would be typical of some Jews who came out uh, to areas where Jews had scarcely been seen before, um, and uh, won the esteem of their fellow citizens. Uh, One of Abraham Lincoln's uh, best friends who was Jewish 
was named Abraham Jonas. And there's a very similar kind of story. Jonas is a leading mason and is deeply interested in politics. And he and Lincoln really are involved in trying to build the new Republican Party. Um, they, uh, you, one would be hard-pressed to find similar people in the colonial era, but uh, beginning in the 1820s, uh, they, uh, they emerge, and many more Americans than before new Jews in the flesh, whereas before, uh, people like Abraham Lincoln only knew Jews from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you, you mentioned the Masons. Wasn't that a key difference in this country in terms of maybe the reception of uh, at least some Jews into society, that in America the Masonic orders had Jewish members where they typically didn't over in Europe? That's exactly right. Um, uh, in the United States, Scottish Rite masonry uh, predominated. Jews were really involved in bringing masonry uh, to the United States, and um, the masons served as an arena where Jews and largely Protestants uh, interacted. In parts of Europe, especially parts of Germany, um, the Masons did not accept Jews. Um, and, uh, you know, that exclusion, of course, was part of a larger exclusion of Jews from society. Whereas in the United States, Masonic lodges often served as a semi-neutral territory uh, where people um, of, of, of different kinds of Protestant denominations, as well as Jews, uh, could interact and uh, could unite in uh, a sense of what a good society should be and um, uh, how human beings should relate uh, to one another. Uh, a man like Abraham Jonas really uh, rose uh, to the very pinnacle of um, Masonic um, Lodge. Uh, uh, he was uh, the leading Mason uh, in uh, Kentucky and, and later Indiana. Um, uh, so these these folks could really rise up in uh, the Masonic hierarchy uh, in the United States. And uh, Lincoln, growing up in uh, Illinois, or uh, partly anyway in Illinois, uh, I just wanted to ask you about a couple of his the the Jewish people he knew uh, out there. One was Julius Hammerslaw, uh, who was a merchant in Springfield, Illinois. Yeah, and actually at one of our lectures, um, a descendant uh, appeared very proudly. We don't know a lot about uh, uh, Hammerslaw, but um, uh, he um, 
was uh, kind of a typical story of uh, a clothing um, a store and no question that uh, Lincoln spent time there. And then in addition, uh, Hammerslaw was somewhat litigious. And uh, so we found various Hammerslaws um, uh, in courtrooms where Lincoln uh, was serving as attorney. Uh, But he may well have been um, uh, the first Jew whom Lincoln would have uh, met, uh, and and later on uh, certainly is friendly uh, with uh, Lincoln. He's somewhat younger, uh, but um, uh, he he continues to be involved, um, and um, will will later even play a role in um, um, the the uh, burial uh, in in as, as the Jewish representative when Lincoln was buried in Springfield. Mm. And another. Uh... Uh, Illinois uh, Jew that he knew was uh, the Chicago merchant Abraham Cohn? Yeah. Uh, he meets Abraham Cohn, I think, somewhat later, really more on the eve of um, uh, his uh, inauguration uh, when he's running for president and is in many communities. He's introduced to him in Chicago. Uh, Cohn had started out as a peddler. We have a wonderful diary uh, of his, and then he set up shop again in in clothing in Illinois. Um, what is fascinating about Cohn is he presents a gift to Abraham Lincoln uh, as Lincoln is uh, departing, uh, having won the presidency, departing for Washington. And the gift really was an, a picture of an American flag, and on the stars and stripes he had written very uh, appropriate verses from uh, the book of Joshua, um, uh, which uh, uh, told uh, uh, Joshua to be strong and be courageous and so on. And uh, that was just the message uh, that Abraham Lincoln needed to uh, hear. And um, we know that it had quite an effect uh, on Lincoln. We're talking with Professor Jonathan Sarna from Brandeis University out in Massachusetts. His latest book is called Lincoln and the Jews, A History. Let's get to the Civil War in, in which uh, President Lincoln uh, faced a couple of uh, controversies involving Jews and the war. The first, I, I believe chronologically, had to do with appointing Jewish chaplains. Right. Uh, when um, the chaplaincy was set up uh, with the start of the Civil War, Congress was eager to ensure that only uh, bona fide ministers could be appointed as chaplains, 
and they therefore wrote that uh, they had to be ministers, ordained ministers of some Christian denomination. Um, there were one or two people who sought to change that language, uh, but um, uh, those objections were not much heeded. And what that meant was that the chaplaincy was really um, uh, closed uh, to Jews, and since uh, by the end of the Civil War, you had about 7,000 Union soldiers. Uh, that put those soldiers at a disadvantage. Uh, incidentally, the Confederacy did use the term religious uh, uh, denomination, as I recall. It was somewhat different in the Confederacy. Uh, chaplains were localized, but it didn't, res- it didn't prevent Jews from being chaplains. In any case... Um, we know that there really were uh, Jews who were elected by their units as chaplains, and uh, they were uh, turned down Hmm. Um, in uh, the most famous case, uh, the uh, assistant um, rabbi uh, minister at Sheriff Israel in New York, now known as the Spanish and Portuguese synagogue, uh, a man named Arnold Fischel, uh, was turned down uh, for the chaplaincy uh, because um, uh, uh, he was told by Simon Cameron, who was the Secretary of War, uh, that uh, you had to be a regular ordained minister of some Christian denomination. Mm-hmm. Had it not been for this legal impediment, the department would have taken your application into its favorable consideration. Uh, so Jews were really uh, second-class uh, citizens, and uh, Arnold Fischel uh, decides to speak truth to power, so to speak, or uh, he um, goes as a representative of the Jewish community, and um, boldly calls at the White House uh, to to complain to President uh, Lincoln personally. Lincoln tended to be partial to ministers who came to visit him. He would give them time, and that's certainly what happens uh, in uh, this case. Um, Uh, He calls him in uh, and looks at the papers, and according uh, to Fischl, who left us a full account, Fischl said that uh, the president uh, uh, fully admitted the justice of my remarks, and uh, he hoped that uh, something uh, could be done. Um, And then, indeed, uh, Lincoln works with Congress to craft an amendment that would fix the problem, that's not so easy. How many congressmen even today uh, would want to face their constituents and say, well, we took the word Christian uh, out of a bill. Uh, So instead, very brilliantly, 
Lincoln keeps the word, but they pass an amendment that construes the word Christian denomination to mean, in this case, some religious denomination. And then they bury that amendment deep in a popular Mm -hmm. bill giving raises to important generals. And, of course, the bill passes. And then Lincoln acts and appoints the first uh, Jewish chaplain, a man named Jacob Frankel. And that's so very important, not only because it meant the Jews were on an equal footing with other uh, denominations, but it also paved the way for all kinds of non-Christians to serve as chaplains uh, in the military, which, of course, they do to this day, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than saying that a particular religion is favored, the sense became if uh, there were soldiers who had religious needs, it was up to the military uh, to meet those needs by appointing an appropriate chaplain. That goes back to the Civil War, and it was really Abraham Lincoln um, uh, who makes that happen mm-hmm. after Congress had uh, voted for a more restricted sense of what a chaplain could be. We're talking with Professor Jonathan Sarna about his book, Lincoln and the Jews. Probably the most dramatic uh, incident in the, in the Civil War involving the Lincoln and the Jews has to do with another very famous figure in history, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, uh, the general who really won the Civil War uh, for the North uh, eventually, or certainly was seen as key to winning the the Civil War. Uh, Grant actually expelled Jewish traitors from his military command, and ultimately uh, Lincoln uh, opposed his, his general on that topic. Can you tell us that story? Sure. Uh, And that happened really also in 1862. Um, Grant, uh, for good reason, was deeply concerned about smuggling. Um, And since some of those who were caught smuggling were Jews, uh, uh, he concluded that all Jews were smugglers. And in late December, his own father um, comes, uh, kind of creates a uh, a, a, a plan um, uh, to, uh, or comes up with a plan uh, that um, uh, to to move southern cotton northward, and he allies himself with the Mac brothers. Um, who were Jewish family in Cincinnati. And, of course, uh, they go to Grant, hoping that the sun will just allow them to move the cotton. Uh, Grant sees through this and uh, has a big rage uh, uh, that his old father uh, is being uh, is himself involved in a smuggling scheme. And instead of expelling his father, uh, he sits down and writes this order, expelling Jews as a class, that is the key phrase, uh, from uh, his uh, uh, rather large uh, war zone, 
the Department of the Tennessee, which really extended from northern Mississippi to Cairo, Illinois, from the Mississippi River uh, to the Tennessee River. Um, and um, fortunately for Jews, uh, the, um, uh, the 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 uh, order. Uh, oh, sorry. Fortunately for Jews, Grant's um, army was attacked soon after the order was made, and um, the telegraph lines uh, were cut. And because of that, the order uh, did not spread very far. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, we know that um, uh, some were affected, and we have various reports of uh, Jews who were expelled, the most important being uh, the uh, Jewish community in in Paducah, Kentucky, and uh, where all the Jews were expelled. Interestingly uh, enough, um, uh, an ancestor of Attorney General Morgenthauer, who was the state attorney general in New York, uh, the man's name was Fatman, was the name of the ancestor, was one of those uh, who was expelled from uh, Paducah, uh, but the important person who was expelled from Paducah was a man named Caesar Casco, uh, and we had not heard of him before, and we don't much hear of him afterwards, but he felt that this was deeply wrong. He was a strong Union supporter. He'd immigrated to America uh, in search of freedom, and again, he resolved uh, to go straight to Abraham Lincoln to uh, complain about uh, this order. First he telegraphs, and then he actually travels uh, to Washington and is smart enough to uh, go and see a congressman, uh, the Republican congressman John Addison Gurley, who enjoyed good access to the White House. The two of them go over to see Lincoln, and of course Lincoln doesn't know anything about this order, um, uh, and there is later a marvelous account of the meeting of uh, Caskell and Lincoln, almost a little bit too good to be true, but mm. according uh, to the account, um, uh, they're meeting, and, and Lincoln sees this order and says, so the children of Israel were driven from the happy land of Canaan, and Caskell responds, yes, and that is why we have come unto Father Abraham's bosom, <laughs> asking protection. And Lincoln, of course, says, this protection they shall have at once. Whether or not the conversation exactly went that way, um, uh, we do know that Lincoln instructed Henry Halleck, uh, who was the general-in-chief of the army, to countermand that order, known as General Orders Number 11, and... Um, uh, and and Grant uh, indeed sends out telegrams, uh, the general order from these headquarters expelling Jews from this department is hereby revoked. Um, and Jewish leaders then um, uh, come to see Lincoln um, 
And, of course, by then he's acted. So what they do is thank him for revoking the order. And he says a remarkable thing. I've always lamented that uh, Mr. Spielberg didn't include it in his movie. Uh, Lincoln, in speaking to these Jewish leaders, says to condemn a class is, to say the least, to wrong the good with the bad. Hmm. I do not like to hear a class or nationality condemned on account of a few sinners. Uh, still uh, a good, ad- good advice today, mm-hmm. yes. and uh, um, uh, the episode is, is extraordinarily significant. Uh, had Lincoln not countermanded that order, one suspects that the whole history of Jews in America would have been different. It would forever mm-hmm. have been recalled that Jews were expelled from a part of the United States uh, during the Civil War, and uh, uh, and that would have seemed very similar to what had happened to Jews in so many other places mm-hmm. Spain and Russia and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, what we remember is, yes, Grant expelled the Jews, but then Abraham Lincoln overturned that expulsion. Jonathan Sarna with us, his book, Lincoln and the Jews. Uh, many other stories in the book, but we're running short of time, uh, Professor Sarna. Uh, I just wanted to talk about Lincoln's assassination, which uh, occurred on a Friday night he was declared dead on, on Saturday morning, and I believe because of that, uh, Jews all over the country heard the news when they were in, in synagogue, and there was quite an outpouring of, uh, of sentiment on behalf of the late president. Absolutely. In, indeed, um, according to contemporary reports, many of the first sermons delivered in Lincoln's memory, were delivered on that Saturday morning as the news spread. It was the Saturday morning of Passover. Many Jews were in synagogue. uh, And, of course, uh, the Christian ministers had an extra day to prepare, uh, and they delivered uh, their memorial sermons on Sunday. Um, Jews were very much a part of... uh, of that morning uh, in in New York, uh, uh, Jews were uh, represented um, uh, among those who who uh, delivered memorial sermons. Um, and indeed, when uh, the train bearing Lincoln's body would come to communities where there was a significant Jewish population, uh, Jews were included. And that was exactly what they wanted. Uh, Lincoln had done more than any previous president, I think, to make Jews insiders in America. And they reciprocated by joining uh, in the outpouring of, uh, of, of of horror and sadness after the um, uh, the assassination. And um, uh, practically every Jewish religious leader in America uh, delivered uh, some kind of eulogy uh, for um, uh, for Abraham uh, Lincoln, and uh, uh, Jews uh, then contributed likewise. 
uh, for uh, memorials to him in uh, in Springfield. Hmm. And a quick point, if I could, uh, you're right, I believe, that Lincoln changed his rhetoric somewhat uh, when he delivered his uh, speeches uh, toward the end of his life, uh, not referring as much to a Christian nation, quote-unquote, but a nation under God, to be more inclusive. Right. Uh, I think that Lincoln at Gettysburg knew Jews had fallen at Gettysburg side by side with Christians, and so he abandons what had been everybody's language, Christian America, Christian country. Um, Edward Everett uses it as his lec- in his uh, uh, long lecture at Gettysburg. But Lincoln carefully doesn't, and indeed invents, as far as I can tell, this new language, this nation under God, uh, being sensitive to the Jews who were present. And even in the second inaugural, which is such a religious statement, it it is broadly religious without referring to any particular religion. I'm sorry, Professor, we're we're just out of time. Uh, Jonathan Sarna is author of the book Lincoln and the Jews. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast.